Praise the Lord. Welcome to the broadcast today, Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. I'm glad to be here uh, with God's Word and you, and I hope that you will grab your Bibles and follow along with us and hear from the Lord today. We desperately need to have this daily bread. And even outside of this Bible study we have on Fridays, every day you and I need to be in the Word of God, partaking of, of the bread of life. And we can do that as we should if our faith remains in the cross. The Holy Spirit can teach us the truth, lead us in the truth, and, it, and give us that experience of the liberty and the freedom and the, the, the direction and all the provision that comes to us from the Lord if that's where we keep our faith. I'm just uh, excited uh, that we're, I think we're going to finish chapter 1 in Galatians today. We only have four verses to cover, but I, I know how that goes. Sometimes you get hung up and chase lots of rabbits down these trails because it's all good. And uh, for all the, of you who are watching online, we just uh, thank God for you tuning in and, and growing along with us and learning God's Word in truth. That's the only way the Bible says we can believe it and, and it will effectually be worked into our lives First uh, Thessalonians 2.13, uh, that scripture reveals that, and it's been very precious to my heart uh, here lately. Uh, Galatians 1 and 21, before we get into the word this morning, let's make sure we ask the Lord to give us a revelation today. Draw us closer and to give us this bread that we need. Father, we thank you today for the opportunity to be in your word, to know that you are ready at all times to teach us. If we have ears to hear, I pray today, Lord, would be a day that we would receive Lord, that word of God that's life to our hearts, and you would just, Lord, engraft it into our hearts, Lord, where our desire is to know you more, for you equate yourself with your word, so we understand how we treat your word is how we treat you. So, Lord, because we say we want more of you, really means we want more of your truth in our hearts, so that we might love you more, learn to trust you more, and find the... the your good, acceptable, and perfect will for our lives. Lord, give us a greater revelation of Jesus today and his accomplishment for us on the cross. And we, we ask for it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, before we get into this this morning, I always just like to share if the Lord's doing anything in my life, sharing anything with me. And this morning, getting ready to come to, to Bible study. And, and sometimes you're not even thinking about the Lord or the Word or, or anything to do along those lines. And the Lord just drops something in your heart right out of nowhere. He, he, that's just like Him. He does that all the time. And this morning, as I was getting ready to come to Bible study, He, he just spoke to my heart and told me, You'll know them by their fruits. And he explained that to me and that you will know them by what their faith is in. Because you and I can be doing the same thing, the same works. And yet, when he says we'll know them by their fruits, that's, that does not speak of we'll know them by what they do. Because anybody can be doing what appears to be right. We will know them by the, the object of their faith. Because there's where God sees proper fruit, and he wants to show that proper fruit to those who have eyes to see. It's along the same lines as Romans 1.18 that talks about those who hold the truth of God in unrighteousness. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against those. Well, who is it revealed to? Those who are holding his truth in righteousness. So it's only those who have their faith in the cross who can see the truth of God's word and experience the truth of God's word and also make obvious those who are in opposition to God even if they don't know it. And we know them by their fruits. The fruits not that they're out feeding the hungry and, and, and opening up orphanages. Those are good things to men. Uh, but we know them by their fruits because of what their faith is in. Because there God sees their fruit is either evil or good. And only those in the faith can know that. And that scripture for years has just, the church has been confused and ignorant about that. We'll know them by their fruits. And we have taken that to mean we can look at a person and they're sweet and nice and they're doing all these good things. But those kind of things people do and they can even go to hell in doing that. So it's the fruit that the Holy Spirit 
is producing in one's life, and not all things that appear to be good are good. And I wanted to share that this morning because God, when we bring our hearts to him through faith in the cross and we become determined to know nothing else except Christ and him crucified and God's word then by the spirit begins to unfold to us, then and only then are we learning and, and, and not from each other, we're learning from the Holy Spirit because our faith is, the only, is in the only place it can be where we can learn. Jesus said, if you don't take your cross up and follow me, you can't be by a disciple. means you can no longer learn. means you're, you're just going about your own methods and your own thoughts and wisdom. But when we put our faith back in the cross of Christ, that sacrifice so wonderful, performed for us on the cross, then we can see, then we can learn, then we can see those coming back to the cross, those coming back into the faith, and we can also see those who are in opposition to the cross, enemies of the cross, even done though in ignorance, uh, we have eyes to see. I didn't say we're better than anybody, more holy than anybody. I said we have eyes to see. And only when your faith is in the cross can you know people by their fruit. Because even though we're spirit-filled today and our faith is in the cross, uh, we can go out and do a big piece of stupid this afternoon. I mean, you, you can, you're going to sin at some point. I mean, you're going to do something stupid. And for me to look at that and say, oh, yep, I knew you were lost. Well, see, you're wrong. You judged. And so you don't know me by that fruit that I perform. You know me by the object of my faith. Because there's the fruit that God sees. So I wanted to share that this morning. Because, again, when you come back to the cross, God begins to bring clarity to the Word. He can't do that for you outside of this narrow, this righteous path, the place that you're established and all the understanding unfolds into your heart out of the Scriptures. You, you need to know that. If you'll just come back to the cross, God will begin to teach you His Word in its truthful context. It will reveal who He is. It will reveal who we are and our lack, and it will also show us where everybody else, not, not where they are spiritually as far as their maturity, but it, it, will show us, it will show us their fruit by what their faith is in. Because nobody's perfect even if their faith is in the cross. But we're all growing and we're all at different places. But yet we know them by their fruit. And Romans 6 teaches that if your faith is in the cross, you can serve righteousness and your fruit is holiness. That means your life is going to bear out what you believe. But just because this guy over here is doing the same exact thing you are may not mean anything to God because his faith may be in water baptism or the words he's speaking or all these other things today. So I wanted to share that while it was in my heart because God, just in a moment's time, if your faith is in the cross, you don't have to be crying out every second, God, teach me, God, I want to know. And, and we do that. I want to know more. I want to know you more. But, but when you're crying out all the time to know God, just at some unexpected time, he'll drop something right in your heart, and you weren't even expecting it. And then and it just comes alive. And, and I thank God that he's faithful to do that. So here we are, and today is the 26th of 2018, January the 26th, 2018. Uh, this is session 12. We're still in chapter 1. The website, thecrosswaychurch.com. And there's our physical address, 610 Highway 59, Queen City, Texas, 75572. For those of you who write us or send us an offering, we thank you for that. And I know that God is ministering to you through these teachings, and I pray that the audience out there would grow more and more, and it will. If you will share them as you watch them, don't just like it. That ain't, man, that's all, that's for you. You've already watched it. Share it so others can see it. Amen? So here Paul is uh, in, in, let's back up and just talk about this whole letter again uh, before we get out of this first chapter today. This letter uh, is to uh, uh, the churches, plural, in Galatia that Paul has preached the gospel to. They've been saved. Churches have been planted. And now the Judaizers are coming to attack them, uh, to remove their faith from the cross, uh, and to bring it back under law. And even though they thought they were right, 
Now, let me tell you something. Judaizers thought they were right. They didn't admit, yeah, we're wrong, so we're going to mess everybody else up. They, everybody thinks they're right. Yeah. Every church thinks they're right, and they got something going that all the other churches need. <laughs> but listen, we can come back to the unity of the faith if we'll just start preaching the gospel and understand that's all anybody needs. You don't have a special corner on something in the Word of God. Uh, listen, you don't have anything if your faith is not in the gospel. So we need to remember that. So Paul here, he's being attacked from every, every side. The Judaizers are after him. They want him dead. And if they can't kill him, they just want to prove he's a liar. And, the, and now, now the churches of Galatia are, are, are leaning toward maybe the Judaizers are right. And, and I don't know about this Paul. Maybe what they're saying about him is right. Maybe, you know, he, maybe he just called himself. Or maybe he's feeling sorry uh, for himself after he did all he did to the Christians. Or, or maybe he's in this for some other reason in their line. His calling, he's really not who he says he is. He called himself. God didn't anoint him. And all these things. So... Paul is not only battling against the Judaizers, but, but also attempting to bring the church back to the place where they realize, listen, God called me, it's proof, because he saved you through the gospel that I gave you. And all. He's trying to clarify his ministry, and he's giving a little short testimony here of where he's been, who he saw. And last week we covered... Uh, in verse 18, we might as well start there and move on to where we're going today. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. But other of the apostles, I saw none except James, the Lord's brother. <clears throat> now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God, I lie not. And we covered that last week. Paul is in this place where he's having to say, look, what I'm telling you, I'm not lying. That means he was being accused of lying. You know, so he's, you know, he's, he, he's, he's giving them his, his testimony, his, actually he's routing out where he went and what he did. Uh, and he says here in verse 21, afterwards I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. And again, uh, all, all I've really got to say about that is that he's just revealing his journey to these churches in Galatia as a part of his testimony to them in the attempt to get them to see that once he received this revelation of Christ, he had no gaps in his ministry. Once he, once Paul received the revelation of Christ and he, he went on into Damascus, he got, he, he got filled with the Holy Spirit and he got his eyes back. Paul, the Bible says he immediately began to preach Christ. And Paul, the apostle, never stopped preaching Christ. He never had any gaps in his ministry. He went from uh, Arabia to learn the gospel and, uh, and, and I'm sure if, if we knew there was people he was ministering to wherever he was at, and, and, and he's trying to let them know, when I started preaching, I ain't stopped yet. And, and that's very important to us today. And he says, about that, I, and, and I have something written here. If we could look at Hebrews chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Watch this now, Hebrews 6, 9 through 11. And what we're about to read here uh, is should be evident in our lives, as it was Paul in his ministry, that Paul, once he began to preach, his ministry was perpetual. It did not have breaks. He did not take a break from preaching. Well, I, man, I'm going through hard times. i got to take a break. That, that never happened to Paul. Paul was always on the mission to preach the gospel. And, 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 uh, and listen, that ought to be our life story. We might not have a pastoral position or a whatever, one of the fivefold giftings, but as Christians, our lives are to present Christ verbally and the way we live. And it, and it, and it takes the verbal part. It, 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 it's not just doing the things we do that are not, because a lot of people thought they were going to heaven because they were did. I'm, I'm living the same way. Then people over there claim they know Jesus. I'm, I'm, in, I'm taking care of my family. So it's not just in an outward living. It's in a verbal confession. Amen. And they, well, I know somebody out there said, well, what about those that can't talk? Well, God knows their heart. We're not talking. We're talking about you. You have a tongue. It flops every day, all day. Yeah, so we're because if it didn't, you couldn't hear. You wouldn't be listening to me this morning, Amen. So, 
Our lives need to, we need to get away from that. Well, I'm just living it. No, you better be telling it. It's to be told, my friend. Because if we're just living it, then that'll make people just want to be like us. But if we're telling them about the one who we're after, who saved us, then that's going to either cause them to reject Christ or to go after him, not us. If it's just about us living good, upright, moral lives, then people are just going to want to be like us. And I promise you, don't nobody want to be like you or me. They want to be like Jesus if they know reality. So Paul never stopped. He never took a break. Once he began, he never stopped until he went to be with Jesus. The Bible says he, he fought the good fight. He ran his course. He ran the race. And let me tell you something this morning. The race don't have any exit signs. It's just got a finish line. No exit signs. Uh, all the exit signs you see that say, uh, 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 I need to take a break or I need to go this, I need to that. Listen, those are all things because doubt is in our heart that will cause a denial that will cause about delusion. And that's the way it worked. That's the way it worked with Eve in the garden. That's the way it works with Christians today. Uh, first, the enemy will present doubt, and if that doubt gets through to us, it will cause a denial of the truth to work. And then if we're denying the truth, we will then begin to walk in delusions and we, we will uh, just things that are illusions and we'll become We'll become, what is it, delirious. <laughs> we won't be right. And that's the way it works. That's, that's what the devil did to Eve. He, he showed up and, and got her to doubt what God had said. And when he saw she doubted, then he, he would be able to bring her to a place where she would deny him and what he'd said altogether to go ahead and then make her to see things in a deluded way. A delusion. That's the way it works. Doubt, denial, delusion. That's why when you hear the message of the cross, if you doubt this is God's way, you will then deny it is God's way. And as you deny God's way, God opposes everything you're about. Everything. A delusion sets in. Amen. And that, that, I mean, the Bible bears that out. My people, God says, perish for lack of knowledge. And that's you and me. You need to hear that today. I mean, yes, we, we only hear in all the music today that nothing can pluck you out of the hand of God and, and, and that God loves us in spite of us. And all those are factual statements. But we never hear preached or we never hear songs sang about, Oh, don't remove yourself from Him. And that's what Galatians, this letter to these churches, is all about. They had removed very quickly themselves from him, the one who'd called them into this grace. And don't think it can't happen to you. It's been happening all the way down through history. God brought his people out of Egypt. Fifty days later, they'd constructed a golden calf. Don't, and, man, today, and it happens the same way now in church, in Christianity. You get saved, and may, the next week some preacher's trying to lead you back under the law. But you do this these five things, you keep these five things going in your life and God will keep blessing and, and, and delivering and, and bringing his provision in your life. And all we, we just construct those golden calves and call them God. And, and, and that's why this, these, this letter is written to these churches. Because it's so easy for us to remove ourselves from the one who called us unto this grace. And if we let that happen, and Paul knew this, if we let that happen... Grace can't reign. God gave us grace so grace could reign in our lives. Because our reigning failed. God gave us the earth. We were reigning. We flopped that out, man. We failed. Whoa, we, 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 we lied. We, we, we sinned against God. We couldn't handle reigning. So God gave his grace so grace could reign. But grace comes through faith in the cross because that's the avenue of God's righteousness. And Romans 5.21 says grace reigns through righteousness. Amen. So we need to understand that. So here we are, Hebrews 6, verse 9. But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation. 
though we thus speak. Did you see that? Things that accompany salvation. You've got more than a salvation to talk about. You've got a salvation to live. You've got a salvation that so much accompanies salvation. It's more than a trip to heaven. Man, it's, it's everything you'll need in this life. Salvation accompanies everything. And listen to this again. But, beloved, we're persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. And, and this is why there are really uh, ministries today. That's, that's the reason why they should exist. Churches should exist for this reason. To be equipped for the work of the ministry, to gather and to praise God, worship God, to edify each other in, in truth, and to learn God's word and to fellowship and, and to be uh, edified one of another. But listen, it, why do we need to do that? Because there's more. There's more of everything if you will walk in the place where, where you can experience the, 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 the things that accompany salvation. The first one's the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Man, that accompaniment came with salvation. Your opportunity to be baptized with the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in other tongues as the book of Acts teaches and all the other things, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, all these things accompany salvation. So don't just get saved and say, all right, that's it. I got to maintain and survive till he comes. No, that's not it. We occupy till he comes. We don't just survive and exist. We occupy. We, we take advantage of what we've been given. We seize each moment of each day to look for the Lord in all that we're doing, to listen to Him, to follow Him, and to be used by Him. Praise God. Because there are things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak, verse 10, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. You see, it is a labor of love. If it's not a labor of the cross, if it's not the right ministry of reconciliation, it's not the labor of love. And that's when we grow weary, we faint, and we quit, or we retire. Preachers don't retire. Can I say that again? Preachers don't retire until they can physically no longer go. Amen. Preachers do not retire and then start just traveling all over the world. I'm retired. I preached 40 years. Now I'm just seeing the world. No, man, you grew weary and fainted. Because it wasn't a labor of love. But I loved people, Brother Curtis. I, I shared with them the word all these years. Well, did you? I'm glad you did. But, but was it a labor of love or was it just working towards retirement? Was it a labor of love? Because a labor of love doesn't end in this life. It only ends when you stop breathing. It doesn't end. You, you, you don't, you know, there have been people that have come through Crossway Church, and after half a year or two or three years, and, and I'm not going to call any names, but they'd say, well, you know, my husband's about to retire, and, and we've always wanted to live in Colorado. Do you have relatives there? No, we just want to live in Colorado. So we're leaving, and we're moving to Colorado, knowing there's no, you know, there's nothing there. there and I mean, maybe there is now. I don't know. Maybe one church I know of there. But back then, there wasn't anything when these folks just packed up and did what they wanted to do. You know, and all that sounds good, and we call that the American dream, but you know what? The American dream's not in God's Word. The American dream is not in God's Word. What is in God's Word is that we're called to be co-laborers with Him, and that is a labor of love. That means we love them enough to present Christ by the way we live and verbally to them. And that there, it is perpetual. It ain't a Sunday and a Wednesday here and there. It is perpetual. It is nonstop. It is the way we live because it is who we are. We are God's labor on the cross of his love. The examples, the, 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 the result of his labor of love. And that labor of love should flow through us, not just on Sunday and Wednesday, but every day, all day, at all times. Do you mean, you mean it's that radical all the time? Man, you wouldn't even be asking that question if he just filled your heart. If he just filled your heart, then you wouldn't have to be thinking negatively about serving God. Most Christians don't want to give God even a Sunday or a Wednesday. And the ones that give him Sunday show I ain't giving him Wednesday too. Now he understand it's my time. <laughs> 
I mean, we're so pitiful, and we'll use every excuse, and don't call me here after a while and say, well, preacher, you know why I don't come on Wednesday. You know why I don't come on Sunday. You know, you know listen, I'll just smile and say I love you, but God sees your heart, and he's going to have to deal with you. I'm not going to throw you in the dirt and, and beat you down and try to condemn you. You and God got it going. I just wonder where it's going. <laughs> Because he, he sees right through our excuses. Oh, they look so legitimate to men. Watch this now. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. That means because he's righteous, he won't forget it. Which you have showed toward his name. You see, the labor of love is not about Crossway Church. The labor of love is about Jesus. That's his name, Jesus. In that, you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Mm -hmm. Now, all that needs to be highlighted in your Bibles. Not only have you ministered, but you still do minister. We're, we're, this scripture is brought into this lesson today because Paul had a perpetual ministry. And he is an example of ministry for us. You might say, well, I'm not called to do what Paul did. Yes, you are. You might not be called to travel over in different places, but you're called to wherever you go to present Christ. That's your job as a Christian here. That's your labor of love. That's your reasonable service is to present Christ everywhere you go. You may not tell every person you pass by in Walmart about Christ, but they're going to know just by the way you treat them at least that there's something different about you. And if given that moment of opportunity they're going to find out why because jesus saved your soul and when they ask you well what church do you go to so you can tell them where you go to church but you also gonna to to tell me it ain't about where i go to church it's about jesus and what he's what i'm allowing him to do in my life today because i believed he died for my sins i believe that I don't have believed that in the past. No, that's what I'm believing today. That's what my faith is actively, my conscious is thinking about. My, I, I'm conscious of where my faith is today in the sacrifice. That's not what just got me in. That's what keeps me in. That's what gives me the strength to live and the power, boldness, and courage to tell it. Without that, I'm going to begin to fade away. Because doubt comes in, then denial follows it, and then I'm just walking into delusion, and there's where you have all the people making all their excuses as to why they're not living this life, why they're not telling, G telling about Jesus, and why they're not actively in a church preaching the message of the cross. Because doubt came in, denial followed it, and delusion came to sink your boat. That, that, when we're making excuses for sin, and sin is more than doing drugs and sleeping with somebody else's wife. Sin is when a man knows to do right and does it not. Uh -huh. And when we make excuses for sin, it's because we doubted, and when we doubted, then we denied the truth. And when we deny delusion came in, and now we're living in a cloud and a bubble that we have made up with our own fleshly attitude. Watch this now. In that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence. How many? Every one of you. Oh, well, this, is just, this was just to the churches in Galatia. That's what a guy told me months ago on the Internet when we were going back and forth on social media and talking about the message of the cross. He says, oh, when I told him, we got to be determined to know nothing else but Christ and him crucified. He said, well, no, that's just what he told the church in Corinth. Oh, so the Bible's not for us too. That means you're lost. If the, Bible, if the Bible's not for us today... We don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. We might as well just go back to where we were. God gave us his new covenant written down so we could even understand and be comforted by what was written in the old and have greater light in the new in the name of Jesus through his sacrifice. 
Praise God. So this is not just to the people of that day. This is to you and me, the people of this day, the church today. And we desire that every one of you do show. show. Did you see that word show? Oh, me and God, we got our own thing going for Dean out behind the barn out there. I ain't really got to be a public about it. Oh, you ain't got nothing going with God if it ain't public. Right. Well, God looks on my heart and everything he does is, if, is within my heart. Can I remind you that if God's doing something in your heart, it's coming out on the outside because you... Listen, I've never had to cut an apple tree down and split it in half to find an apple inside. The fruit is to be seen. The fruit is to be seen. So this stuff about me and God got our own thing going. No, you don't have anything going with God if others can't see it on the outside. I got Jesus on the inside, and he's working on the outside. If he ain't working on the outside, that means he ain't working on the inside. Uh. Watch this. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence. The same diligence. Not that you used to do this. I used to be a Sunday school teacher. I, I used to be in church. You know that's a testimony of millions of Christians in our nation today. I used to be in church. I used to carry the teens and, and minister. I, I used to. That ain't Christianity, my friends. Christianity is that I used to and I'm still running and I'm still ministering. Hallelujah. And you ain't doing it from your couch. Social media is a good thing, but you better be rubbing elbows with folks if there's a church preaching the message of the cross in your town. Amen. Amen. We've had people leave Crossway Church that were elders before because they think they got so high and mighty in their knowledge and, and they knew more than everybody and, 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 and they begin to judge. They Doubt came in, denial came in, and they became deluded. Hmm. Hmm. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. There's no exit signs in this race we're running. There's only a finish line. We're talking about showing the same diligence. This proves right here along with other scriptures that when you got saved, that is to be your life from here until the end of this life right now diligently sharing Christ, diligently living for God, not diligently out there. Most Christians are diligently trying to see just how much they can do, just how much they can watch. You know, they get around their little groups of people at work and you wouldn't even know they were saved. Then they get the preacher walks up on the job and boy, everything changes because they're living under the value which is the fear of men and what men think instead of what God thinks and what God thinks he's told us in his word. And this morning we're seeing that not only have we ministered, but we should always be ministering this labor of love. And it should be a life where we're showing the same, this same diligence unto the end. Look at what it says, to the full assurance of hope unto the end. Mm. Praise God for those who've not only been saved, but began to preach this great salvation and hadn't stopped yet. Hadn't stopped yet. And you know, Paul, when he started preaching, he didn't know everything. He preached and he grew and he preached and he preached and he grew and he grew and he preached and he preached. Sounds like a new song we write. He preached and he preached and he grew and he grew until one day he got a thorn in his flesh because God gave him something he knew. <laughs> That nobody else would know. Think about that. Paul was preaching and growing and preaching and growing in this revelation of Christ through the Scriptures and the Holy Spirit and, and until one day God gave him the revelation of the cross and with that became came a thorn in his flesh. The, the, the messengers of Satan that, that would buffet him everywhere he would go. And the Bible says he got that thorn because of the amount of revelation he received. So that tells me, he, listen, he didn't have that thorn when he Again, not to the degree that he had it later. And if he did, the thorn grew as well. 
Not only did his faith uh, uh, get strengthened and his knowledge be increased in what God was doing called grace in his life increased, but that even the thorn was increased. Running from those that tried to kill him, shipwrecked, beat, whipped, uh, man fasted when he didn't want to fast, and all these things happened to Paul because he was continuing to grow. If he would have ever got complacent and just steal, the Judaizers would have just left him alone. If Paul would have just ended up in one of the churches that he'd uh, 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 planted and started and said, okay, I'm just going to rest over here now. I planted me a church and I'm just going to get steel here and I'm going to ride this baby out right here till, till, uh, until Jesus comes. I, I, man, I done found me a comfort zone right here and I'm going to ride it. The Judaizers would have went to the house. That would have been the end of it. He'd have, he'd have just got religious. But you know what? Paul had a revelation. And this is a great revelation. What I have received, I have received not only for me, but for everybody to know about. Because this, what I have received, is God's will for everybody to receive. And the way anybody, the only way anybody can receive is through the vessels that already have received. And God and Paul knew this. I can't just plant a church and get comfortable here. I got to plant a church and get leaders in here, and then I got to move on, and I got to send somebody here and send somebody over here. I got to keep moving, man. This thing's too, too, too great just to get stuck in a room with 30, 40 people. I got to keep going. I got to keep this thing going. And at the end of his days, and, and I've already said this, but he could say, I fought the good fight of faith. I've run my course. That means he started ministering when he got saved, and he didn't stop till he left here. I bet his last words were something about ministry. Thank God for Jesus. He was consumed, and I know people think, well, that was just Paul. But can I remind us all that Paul didn't have a different spirit than we do? Jesus didn't even have a different spirit than we do. They had the Holy Spirit who is God. We have the same spirit. Again, here we are back. If we doubt simple things like that, then we'll begin to deny what God has us here for as Christians. And if we, and again, I know I've said it a bunch this morning, but if doubt, if we allow doubt to have a place in our heart, then we will begin to deny whatever we're doubting. We've got to get rid of doubt. We've got to have faith in the cross and know that we're here for a purpose. So many Christians have said that all their lives. Well, I was in a car wreck last, you know, last year, and I should have been dead. I mean, I really, if you could see that truck, you'd know I should have been dead. God must have some reason I'm here. How many times have you heard that all your life, all the time, people saying that? And they don't understand their purpose is to get saved and represent Jesus Christ all the days of their life. That's the purpose of, of Really, all of humanity is to represent God. That's why he put us here and gave us rain over the earth so that we could function under his headship and, and God could watch the earth prosper under the authority that he gave us. But when we lost that due to sin, God would send the last Adam, his son, in the likeness of flesh, condemning the sin we were guilty of in the flesh, giving us now an opportunity to represent him again. See, we sinned and fell short of that glory, and the glory is, is us being uh, a representative of God because his glory shines in our hearts and through us. But we've been reconciled now, so now that's a possibility. We can live for God. We can represent God. If we're, if we're in the truth, we can't represent him through a denomination. We can represent him through the blood because that's how he came to represent us to his father, through the blood. And it's the only way we represent him today to the world and God sees our faith as legitimate is if we're representing him through the sacrifice. So... Verse 22 says, And was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. Now these Christians that were in Judea, they didn't know the face of Paul. And you know what? They were happy about that. Because that means they didn't know Paul when he was Saul. They didn't know what he looked like. That means he hadn't been there to get them yet. And so they're happy about that. I don't even know what he looks like. You know what? I'm glad. Yeah. Yeah. Because 
You know, there was a lot going on in Paul's day. Paul was getting it on both sides. Paul, Paul was, you know, it's like being a, a, a bank robber or a drug dealer and then all of a sudden getting saved and, and, and coming into the church. Well, everybody in church is paranoid about you for a while. Well, you know he's a thief. <laughs> but now your bank robbing drug dealing buddies out there, they're like, uh, I think he's going to start telling on us. That's what was going on in Paul's life. He had, he had been snatched out of the fire by God, by the Lord Jesus Christ. He had been brought into the faith by grace. He'd been born again, and now he was preaching Christ. And, and, and I'm telling you, the church was scared of him. The church thought he was a trickster. And once he, he was going to now use this scheme to get in there and get us all dragged off to jail, lose everything we've got. But, but, Paul says in verse 23, they had heard only, he's talking about himself, but they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preaches the faith which once he destroyed. I remember uh, coming out of the world, I remember the Lord grabbing a hold of my heart again and bringing me back to him, back to the word, and I had dealt drugs and I remember Everybody treating me so differently. They thought that I was now teamed up with the law. I must have gotten in trouble or, uh, because I, here I come to work carrying a Bible. And they're like, oh, I'm scared of him. And they start staying away from me. But the church also at the same time, we started going to church. They're like, uh, and we started going up there in that county where we'd been living like the devil for years. And they're like, oh, he must have gotten in trouble. <laughs> Yeah, that's what people think when you come to church. You know, uh, I wonder why he's in church. I bet he got in trouble. We always tend to think the worst, maybe you know. And uh, so, it, 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 it. In all reality, it does take a little time. When I came home and told my wife that I wasn't going to be going out and being gone and doing all I done, I'm letting everything go. I'm sure. I, I remember she didn't say, "Well, praise God, I'm so glad." It took a little time for her to see. I meant what I said. It took a little time for the people, this is what they had to see, that it wasn't just a, a me once again saying I was going to do something, but I had turned my life back over to Christ. And they would find that out. They told me in 1994, and I'll never forget, a guy told me at work, he said, you'll be back with us in the bars in six months. And I didn't say, no, I won't. I said, we'll see. We'll see. And you know what? That was 1994. That's a long time ago. I remember thumping that last Marlboro light out the window uh, on uh, June the 30th, and I remember throwing that last Bud Dummer uh, can down on July the 4th. I remember that. You remember when God's working in your life. You remember those things uh, when it's God moving in your life. You know what? I, I don't really remember uh, much about what, trying to quit smoking and not wanting to drink anymore because... Uh, that just wasn't God, but when God got involved, that's when I, that's what I have memory of, what God did. Mm -hmm. Paul here saying, listen, they, they don't know my face. They, they don't know what I look like in those places, but they've only heard that the one that used to persecute the church <clears throat> in times past now preaches the faith that once he destroyed. And you know what? You and I could sit here today and say that we never destroyed the faith, but you know if you're not living for God, you're in, in an unconscious, ignorant status, you, you want to destroy the faith because it's convicting. And so when we're living in sin and, 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 and people come around trying to witness to us and we just don't want to have anything to do and we don't understand what's really going on there, we, we really wish we could destroy that because it's bothering our lives. It's trying to invade my time, my life, my way, my thoughts, what I've got planned out. And we really, because we don't accept it, you either will accept the faith or you will attempt to destroy it. You may not go to this great, you may not start burning churches and drag, you know, trying to uh, do evil, evil things to the people there. But listen, it's not what you're really doing to them anyway, it's what you're doing to the Lord. And the, and the Bible teaches that whatever we do to the church, we're doing to Jesus. So think about that. All these people who go around and burn churches, 
Jesus said, That's, that, they're doing that to him. People that persecute a Christian is really persecuting Christ. So if we're not living for Christ, we really we might not just blatantly say it out, and we might not even want to even know that we're evil enough to have thoughts in our hearts like this, but really, if we're not for the faith, we're against it. You've got to know that. And, and you've got to know that about these people out there, that about the things such as the baptism with the Holy Spirit. If they're not for that, then they're against that. And that means they're against you if you've got that. They think you're silly, you're foolish. They think that about you and me. If they don't believe in tongues and the things that the New Testament, and obviously for the New, the New Testament church, to walk in, to have these things that accompany salvation. If they don't believe in it, then they think you're a fool. They think you're silly. Amen. And so they start, they begin to doubt God's word. Then they begin to deny it's for them today. And then they walk in this cloud of delusion. I'm kind of hung up on that today. Can't help it, but that's what happens. That's the process. You read in the book of Acts where there's a church, the church, and they're being baptized with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Every one of them that got baptized with the Holy Spirit was with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. You read that right there with your eyes. You begin to doubt that. So you go find you a preacher that you know don't believe in it just to get confirmation for you, for your flesh. Because if you're disagreeing with the Word, you're in the flesh. And then because you've doubted, now denial is there, and now you're living in delusion. And I got news for you. If that's the way it is with you for the baptism with the Holy Spirit, that's the way it is with you for a lot of things. Because if you show me one person that will deny something in God's Word, I'll show you somebody that's denying a whole lot of stuff in God's Word. Mm. This should be the testimony of all Christians as they once pushed away Christ in the church, but now preach Him boldly and everyone knows it. Everyone. Everyone. That's the key thing everybody ought to know about every Christian. He loves God. His life shows it. When they get in trouble, who do they run to? They, run, they don't listen. They don't run to folk across town. If they do, they prove and they really don't want help. I remember about uh, two years ago, if it's been that long, a guy, uh, I, he don't even go to our church. I see him every once in a great while here in our community, uh, and uh, he, he had a problem. And he called me on the phone, and I've, I'd, I've known him for several years just in an acquaintance. Hi, how you doing? Talk to him two or three minutes, and we'll go our different way. And, and he's a Christian. And, uh, but he called me on the phone and said, I need an appointment to talk to you. So we come my office. We talked two hours at least. And uh, at the end of the conversation, I said, why do you want to talk to me? Because he don't go to this church. He goes to some other church. And he's been to two or three other churches. And he told me, he said, the reason I want to talk to you is because I knew you didn't mind. If it, was, if it meant hurting my feelings, you tell me what was right. You tell me the truth. And that's what we have to do. We're not trying to make our case so people will like us. We're not trying to present our... That wasn't Paul. Paul, they, man, they wanted to kill him because he was telling the truth. And many thought he had become their enemy, enemy because he was telling them the truth. And that's what people think today. We're just too narrow-minded. We're too uh, straight-laced. We don't read in between the lines. And all these things they say when we just present God's Word as it is in truth. And that's what we're going to do. Why? Because that is the labor of love. God manifests His love. Manifest His. You don't know God's love outside the cross. You don't know his love. You may think there's a God of love that created an earth and, and have given us all these things, but you don't know him except through the cross. And you can't experience that love through feelings only by faith. Faith worketh by love. Faith began to work in your heart when you accepted God's love for you in the giving of his son. Jesus Christ, that faith, that measure of faith was given you, and at that very moment, that faith that works by love began a labor of love in your heart. And you were what we call today on fire for God. You couldn't wait to try to get all your friends in, into church, all your friends talking about what saved you, and then they didn't want to hear it, and because I speak from experience now, 
We begin to value our friendship with them, what they thought about us more than what God had done, and then we begin to doubt what we really had and how valuable it really was, and then we begin to deny him and walk in delusion. Remember, you got to love the truth or you will be turned over to strong delusion. And it happens just as in that process I've been sharing with you this morning. We got 11 minutes. Y'all better hurry up. We need not forget that this letter was written for our stance for the gospel against the false gospel agents and for the saints, not only in Galatia, but for us. That's why this letter was written. For the gospel. For the gospel. The focus is the gospel. And against the false agents of a false gospel. And it was for the saints. This letter to the churches in Galatia was God's merciful reach. See, God won't just let you go astray. He'll let you go astray. But let me say it again. He won't just let you go astray without a reach for you. That's what the good shepherd does. If, a, if a, one of his lambs, a sheep, start heading out, he reaches that rod and that staff out to kind of get us back. Keep The Lord will do what he can to keep us on this narrow path. But the way he keeps us on this narrow path is the same way he brought us on this narrow path. He will remind us constantly with that rod and that staff of his path. When we start going astray, let me tell you something. When, when we as children of God start going astray, we know we're starting to go astray. We are not ignorant. We know because we have the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. We may not know exactly everything to do, but when we start doing things that we know we shouldn't, there is conviction there. And if it's not, we are not saved. He is there to convict. He is there with that rod and that staff to comfort us by keeping us on the path. We, you and I as Christians, have the opportunity, the choice to remove his rod and staff and to remove ourselves from him. Just like these people in Galatia were doing and being uh, tempted to do even more so. And let me say that again. If we remove his rod and his staff, which represent his authority, which is truth, which always on and only comes through our faith in the cross, we can remove ourselves from him by removing, personally conscious of, overstepping his authority. That's how we remove ourselves from Him, by removing ourselves from the place He works, which is grace. Amen. See, grace is not just something God put over your life now so you could live any way you wanted to and be safe and make it to heaven. Grace is God at work. God worked in Christ, reconciling sinners to himself. God the Holy Spirit teaches us. The Bible says in Titus chapter 2, verse 11, 12, that it's grace that teaches us. We labor by grace. That means, that means by, Christ, by the Spirit through Christ. You need to know that. Grace is not a big cloud that's just got you covered till you make it to the end. Grace reigns in righteousness, and the path God leads down of restoration is righteousness. Therefore, when he reaches that rod and that scepter, that staff out, it is to guide you back to the righteous path that he can only do if he can get you to look back to who he is holding the rod and the staff, the, the great shepherd, the lamb that was slain. Do you understand that? When, when, when you're going off stray and you get conviction, you, you, you sense something's not right, you're going, to look, you're going to look to see what that is. Well, I want you to know as a child of God, that's the Holy Spirit. That's Jesus reaching that rod and staff out to grab a hold to you. He's not, he's not just going to let you go. He will let you go your own way, but you're going to have to overstep, thus saith the Lord, just like Eve did. You know the way. You know the path. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Praise God. I know we're running out of time. Would you give that to Keith? Sorry about this, but we're, could you answer that? And 
That's probably them people trying to fix our stuff. Sorry about that. We still got six minutes, and I'm going to cover this last verse in chapter one today. And this is the last verse. We started Galatians on November the 4th. And here we are, just what, uh, December, January, we're, well, next couple weeks will be, would have been uh, three months, but that's good. How many chapters in Galatians? Anybody know? Six? Six? Just like Ephesians. So it'll take a year probably. <laughs> Maybe not. Possibly. But Galatians 1, the last verse, 24, and they glorified God in me. See, here's the end result of Christians... In this, in this diligent labor of love. They ain't talking about going to church every week. I'm not talking about a chapter a day. This, this diligent labor of love, our representation of Christ. Uh, and again, we know each other by their fruits. People nice and mannerly and well-behaved and yes, sir, and no, sir, and yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and opening the door for the ladies, and oh, they're just so lovely to be around, but then they tell you they're a Mormon, or then they tell you that maybe they are a Christian, they're saved, but now they've gone back under some, now we're in the purpose-driven or the government of 12, and they've moved their faith from the cross to these other things, and now we know them where they are, where they are, we know them by their fruit. Did you get that? So when Paul says, these people who never saw my face and, 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 and they heard that I'm preaching now the gospel, the faith that I once destroyed, he says, and they glorified God in me. That ought to be all our testimony. That ought to be our testimony. Not because I go to a cross-preaching church or I'm a preacher of the cross, but because I'm living for Jesus and my fruit is that of Jesus. My the, the anchor of my faith is Jesus Christ and Him crucified, that sacrifice of Christ. That's it. And so, that, you know, and again, and I gotta say this again, it's not, righteousness is not us doing what's right, it's us allowing the one who is righteous to do what's right in and through us. It's His fruit. It's the fruit of righteousness, and he, we don't have any except for the righteousness of Christ. Now, I'm kind of stuck on righteousness because I've been preaching 11 messages on it. But this ought to be all our testimony, that when we're living for the Lord, with the Lord, when we're in this labor of love, that, that we're able to say they glorified God in me. They didn't glorify me. They glorified God in me. They recognized that God was working in me and through me and that people were actually getting saved by what he was preaching because man can't save anybody. I'm telling you, you got to think about this today. And I'm going to say this as we have three and a half minutes left. If preachers today would start a church and... And, 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 and see that church started and then place preachers in there and move on. After about six months, you'd be amazed at the people that wouldn't go there anymore because they're attached to that preacher instead of that truth. And that's wrong. That's wrong. If, if he's preaching the gospel, you ought, that's what you ought to be after. You ought to be after being able to open your word and have somebody, some gift, uh, get in the word and show you how this relates to Christ and what he did for you at Calvary because your heart's not going to burn after the spirit unless that's what's being taught. Your heart's only go, the flesh is going to burn if it's being taught out of that context. And so when, some, when, when, when God removes one pastor and sets another pastor in, instead of half the church leaving and being so down, so, oh, I can't believe he left. Listen, the gospel hadn't left. Hey, somebody's still there preaching the gospel. And I'm not saying these things because I'm leaving. I pray I don't ever, but, but I'm, I'm making a point here. It's not the man. It's the gospel. And too, there's too much glorifying man today instead of glorifying God in what he's doing through the man. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, it's been a good first chapter. 
I look forward to starting chapter 2 next week. Uh, be sure and send us an email, curtishutchinson at att.net. Uh, if you're watching this on Facebook, be sure and share it. Comment while you're watching it like others do. Uh, so to this ministry, help us buy the things we need to buy. You say, well, it can't take too much a camera. Listen, we pay $675 a month for internet. The cameras cost $1,000 each and all the software. And I can't name everything that we have to have. And if you appreciate what God is able to teach you and give you through this ministry, I encourage you to sow something. It's not because we're hurting and we're behind financially. Listen, giving is for the giver. It's to God, but it's always for the giver. And uh, if you want to be a part of what God's doing in this house, and you know what He's doing, He's preaching God's Word in truth. He's sharing the truth of God's Word so that we can find His Word effectively working in our hearts. Not just playing church, not just getting together socially, but so God can actually move in us and through us and we can literally grow in the knowledge and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not necessarily about thing, hearing things we've never heard. It's about uh, uh, learning what we've heard all our lives. I said it's about learning what we've heard all our lives. We've heard God's Word all our lives, but now we're in a time that God has brought us back to the hearing, the understanding place, the place of Calvary. And that's the only place hearing of faith can take place, is through the blood. That's the only place. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, but without faith in the cross, that does not take place. Then it's just us swapping information. It may be God's Word, but it's just us swapping God's Word. It's not the impartation of the Holy Spirit. God bless you. I love you. We'll see you right here next week. Have a great week.